Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, starting another chapter today, going to read the whole thing. Chapter 5, Daniel. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. When Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. So the king and his nobles, his wives and concubines, might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the God of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood and stone. Suddenly the finger of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall, near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave away. The king called out for the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners to be brought and said to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple, and I have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, sorry, became even more terrified, and his face grew pale. His nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. O king, live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father king, I say, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. This man Daniel, whom the king called Belshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give an interpretation and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. O king, the most high God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, 
All the peoples and nations and men of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. Those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was disposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heron until he acknowledged that the most high God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, his son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives, your concubines drank wine from them. You praise the God of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hands your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Meaning, meaning, tekofasin. This is what these words mean. Meaning, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians was slain and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Amen. Lord, give us understanding of your word. And we ask that, dear Lord, to help us to, it's a long chapter, and of course uh, we know that there wasn't chapters when this was written. It's been divided up into different portions this is different stories that's contained in the whole book. So help us to be tuned in and uh, teach us something new, something for the first time that we've never learned before, to be used in a practical way. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week's sermon, you remember, it was about the humbling and coming of faith of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Here in chapter 5, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, having died, a number of his relatives succeeded him as king, and one in particular we learn about today is Belshazzar. We read that Nebuchadnezzar was Belshazzar's father, but that's just a term used to describe a blood king relationship. Belshazzar was, in fact, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson not his son, like it says in verse 22. Trust me on that. I've, I've studied the, uh, the lineage. It was his, Nebuchadnezzar was Balshazzar's grandfather. Now suppose Nebuchadnezzar was your grandfather. You've heard the story of his battles and what a mighty ruler he was one of the greatest rulers of the 
greatest empires on the face of the earth. You've also heard how God punished your grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, because of his pride and his arrogance and how he had to crawl around. He was made to crawl around as a wild animal eating grass in order to teach him humility for seven years. Remember that? And also, not only to teach him humility, but also for him to come to faith in the true and living God, which he did. He's what is described as an Old Testament saint, and he's in heaven now, unlike his grandson, Balchazar, that we're going to learn about today. Balchazar was not like his grandfather. He didn't worship God. He preferred to worship false gods that do not exist. Balchazar was not only a heathen, he was also very proudful and arrogant, like his grandfather was before he came to know the God of heaven. They say the nut doesn't fall too far from the tree. Is that what they say? That's what I just said. However, Belshazzar knew how God had dealt with his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar. But it didn't seem to change the way he lived, and it didn't change his life, and he never came to faith like his granddad did. And this proves that nobody can change because of someone else's faith. It's a personal thing between God and each individual, amen? It's a personal thing. It's a personal choice that we all have to make. You receive Jesus, you make the right choice, and then you're guaranteed a home in heaven, and then it'll be well with our soul, amen? Over a period of time, this is not going to be a short message. It's a long chapter. Over a period of time, the Babylonians had built fortifications around the city of Babylon, modern-day Iraq. That included massive walls. And according to historians that will remain nameless, trust me, those walls were 56 miles long. 80 feet thick and 320 feet tall. And that included 250 guard towers positioned around those walls, a garrison with archers and soldiers to defend against any invaders. They all thought they were safe. Who wouldn't? Also during his brief reign, Belshazzar, he only lasted king for two years. He commissioned a passageway to be built under that wall to allow the Euphrates River to flow into the city so the people would have lots of water to drink. And uh, they all felt secure inside. If you don't have water, you die. He also made sure there was enough food to last for 20 years. So everyone felt safe for a long time, even if they were invaded, which they were, and the Persian army, the Medes, the Persians, which is basically the same thing, not modern-day Iranians, were outside trying to get in. So 
they all felt safe. There was plenty of food, there was plenty of water. But they said that about the Titanic. The ones that built it, they bragged that it was unsinkable. What happened? It sank. Man proposes, but God disposes. Belshazzar thought that no one could ever defeat him or take away his kingdom. Even the Persian army that was literally outside of the city walls trying to break in, he said, there's just no way that they're going to get in. Look at the wall, look at the fortifications. But they did. Now, so confident of his security measures, Belshazzar decided to have this wonderful, what he thought, a great feast to show how confident and relaxed they ought to be inside the castle. So he invited a thousand important leaders along with wives and concubines, which was unusual in that culture. So we believe that some hanky-panky was going to occur during that party. You know what I mean by hanky-panky? If you don't, someone will explain it to you later. So there was lots of booze, and there was lots of food laid on for the party-goers. And the more they drank, the more they got drunk and became under the influence of B-double-O-Z-E. Now, alcohol, as you know as well as I do, can cause people to lose control of their thoughts and actions. People do stupid things when they drink too much. I'm not talking about having a cold one in the summer after a hard day's work. I'm not talking about having a glass of wine during dinner. I'm on about getting drunk. And for us believers, the Bible condemns getting drunk. And it says in Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with spirit. Right? If you're filled with the spirit, you don't need all these drugs and you don't need all this alcohol to be high. All right? So, King Belshazzar was already proud and boastful before he even started drinking, but when he had a few and he got drunk, he was even more arrogant and out of control. So, to impress his guests, he came up with the idea to show just how great he was, just like his grandfather. You remember, having studied this, his grandfather, the army of Iraq, Babylon, invaded Judah because of their rebellion against God, because they started worshipping idols and they suffered the consequence. God allowed the Babylonians to defeat Israel, the Jewish people were enslaved, transported back to Babylon, including Daniel, who was about 17 years old at that time. They destroyed one of the wonders of the world, which has never been seen since, the immaculate, magnificent Temple of Solomon. And they looted it. 
and pillaged it and destroyed it and they took all the implements from within that temple back to Babylon. Spoils of war. They stole the sacred implements. Now Nebuchadnezzar knew that, but no one drank out of them. They were just stored away. But Belshazzar had other ideas. He wanted to show off. He wanted to prove how great that he was and how his ancestors had conquered all these other nations. So that night, the focus was all on him. He believed he was free from judgment, and that was a special night, believing he was completely safe from his enemies. So he ordered those silver and gold goblets that were used in temple worship in the Temple of Solomon that, that, that had been pillaged, brought into the party. And then they were filled with Babylonian booze and all the heathen degenerates toasted and praised their Babylonian gods that do not exist in the form of idols made with human hands. Now when God gave the Hebrew people instructions how to build the temple, it was made a complete, perfect masterpiece. He also gave specific instructions for all the items that were to be used in that holy place. All the things that were made were perfect and they were to be treated with honor and respect. They were very special indeed, made for the sole purpose to worship God, the true and living God. God is holy, holy, holy. And that means he's completely pure and he's completely perfect without faults. He does not allow anything to be treated disrespectfully, things that have been made to worship him, to be used in a disrespectful way. That included the high priest that went into the sacred chamber on the Day of Atonement, that's once a year, and if he didn't follow the specific instructions to worship God properly, he would be immediately zapped and die. That's why they had to tie a rope around him and pull him out. Because if they went in there to try to pull him out physically, they would die too. That's the high priest. Now, well, Bad Chazar, that prideful, drunken fool, lifted God's special cup to his lips and began to praise the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, stone, which are not true gods, but demon spirits. His fate was sealed. That same night, that night of debauchery would see the fall of the greatest empire on the face of the earth, 
because of one man's sacrilegious contempt for the things of God. That would be his downfall. It would be not only his downfall, it would be the downfall of the country of Iraq that has never recovered its former glory since then. Or because of one man's sin. And the reason this world is in such a mess is because of pride. Satan, the devil, that old dragon, used to be one of the chief angels in heaven before he rebelled against God because he wanted to be like God. His name was Lucifer. And then he was cast out of heaven due to his pride. And that's the main problem that's caused all these troubles for all of us ever since. Unfortunately, Belshazzar never learned the lessons of his grandfather's mistakes like Nebuchadnezzar did. He learned from his mistakes. He's a wise guy. And God would not allow that king to treat his holy things to be desecrated in such an arrogant, prideful, and disrespectful manner. So the king and all his guests, as they were eating, drinking, and making merry, and that's what people do in the world, let's eat and drink and make merry for tomorrow we die, so let's just live it up. But there's a judgment day coming. Suddenly, as the party goers were getting sloshed, they sobered up pretty quick. They saw a hand riding on the wall, on the plaster, over the lampstand in the palace. They all sobered up pretty quick. They stared at the hand as it began to write. And then Belshazzar's rosy pink cheeks drained of all color. His face was as white as snow. His body began to tremble. He was so afraid that his knees knocked together. And he began to faint. And then he ordered anyone to come and read what the hand had written. If they could, they would be rewarded. Read verse 7. So all the wise men were brought in. All the wise guys, supposed to know better. The astrologers, the soothsayers. The astronomers, the Magi, they're all brought in and they looked at the writing on the wall and then they looked at each other and then they looked puzzled, confessing to the king they hadn't the foggiest idea what the writing was about. They had no idea what it meant. So frightened and confused, the king 
he was even more frightened and confused, scared to death. This was not an ordinary occurrence. This had never happened before. This was a, a bad omen. And nobody was there to help him explain what it meant. He was scared to death. However, Grandma came in thinking she could help him. This was King Nebuchadnezzar's widow. It says the queen. She was still considered to be the queen. This is Belshazzar's grandmother. Doesn't tell us what her name was. She'd heard what, all the commotion and what was going on and she came in to help her grandson. She told him there's only one guy in the whole kingdom that could interpret dreams and give him the interpretation of what was written on that wall. Daniel. Daniel. So they called Daniel in, long story short, stood before the king, and he asked Daniel if he could explain what the writing on the ward meant, and if he could, then he would be rewarded. He would become the third most powerful person in his kingdom. They would give him a gold chain and blah, blah, blah. And Daniel told him to, well, he didn't respect the king, and he told him to keep his gifts, all right? You can keep it. Keep your gifts. I don't want them. Do whatever you want with them, but I don't want them. He didn't want any handouts from him. From the hand that held up the same goblets that were pillaged from that holy temple. However, he was willing to help, like we all should, when asked, he consented to interpret the message. But at first, he had to remind Belshazzar about his grandfather, how God had worked in his life. You can read that from verse 18, 21. I already did. Not need to do it again. The writing on the wall. And this is where you get that phrase, the writing's on the wall. This is where it comes from. Right here. The writing on the wall was the message from the Most High God sent to Belshazzar that his days were numbered because of his wickedness and his kingdom was about to be taken from him. Now this was obviously very, very, very bad news for the king. But God had put up with him for so long he wasn't willing to change because of his pride, his arrogance, his disrespect. God had put up with it long enough. And now it was time for Belshazzar to reap what he had sown. That very same night, the army of the Medes and the Persians, the same thing basically, one day ran, entered through a gate, where the Euphrates River came under the castle. Somebody said, somebody on the inside had opened that gate. They attacked, invaded the ancient city of Babylon that contained 200,000 inhabitants, Babylonian inhabitants. Now, rather than learning the lessons of his grandfather, 
Nebuchadnezzar, who humbled himself and came to faith in God because the Bible says that um, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Instead of learning the lessons from his grandfather, he just carried on living the life that he wanted to live without a thought about God and the consequences to live a prideful, arrogant, selfish life and the fact that he disrespected God, now it was time for him to be punished for his sins. He lost everything that he had. Everything that he had. And believe me, everything that we have, we leave behind. We, can't, we don't take it with us. He lost his kingdom and he lost his life. And according to Jewish historians and Jewish tradition, once they'd broken in, his skull, his royal skull, was shattered by a candelabra. All right? That's what they say. His royal skull was shattered by a candelabra. That's a, that, a candelabra, as you know. If anyone knows anything about, what's his name? The guy that used to play a piano. Liberace. Yeah. He had this massive big candelabra, you know. So anyway, the king's skull was smashed in by a candelabra. It gave him a permanent headache. And then Darius the Mede became the next king. Took over. Now God is a God of love. He loves people so much. He loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross to save you so you wouldn't be punished for your sins. Amen? And he's not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance and trust him by faith. But God is also a God of judgment. And you won't hear much about that in today's pulpits. Right? There's very few of us that talks about God's judgment. But it's all in the Bible. And that's what we believe and that's what we preach. All right? Not our own opinions. He's not willing that any should perish, but if people reject Jesus Christ, his son whom he sent and suffered and died on that cross, if they reject Jesus, then God will reject them. And there's more rejects than saved, unfortunately. A lot more. Now let's conclude. This is a true story. It's in the Bible. It's all true. Only people with the Spirit of God believe that because it's spiritually discerned, you say. All of it. And this story illustrates that people like Belshazzar, who knew Nebuchadnezzar, his grandfather's testimony, who knew about God. He knew about the existence of God and how God had dealt with his grandfather. And he knew what God was capable of doing when he put 
had to humble his grandfather, and he became like an animal eating grass for seven years, being drenched with the dew of heaven, and being out of his mind totally in order to humble him and to bring him to faith. Belshazzar knew this. He knew all this stuff. But still, because of his arrogance, of his pride, his resistance against what God was trying to do in his heart and life, he got what he deserved. He did not turn from his sins like Grandad. He didn't ask God to forgive him of his sins like Grandad. Only God can forgive us of our sins. And not only forgive us of our sins, he gives us the power to live a life that honors him. So he can receive, not us, so he can receive the praise and the glory that he deserves. Because only when you become a Christian can you give glory to God. Amen? And like so many people before him, and so many people after him, Belshazzar never learned the lesson that God was trying to teach him until it was too late. And people die never learning the same lesson, and then it's too late. And you don't get a second chance. You have to receive Jesus in this life. And you don't come back. Unlike some religious people teach and believe and preach. There's no such thing as reincarnation. It's a total lie from the pit of hell. Let me close with this verse. 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this true story and hope and pray that remind us that you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And by your grace, not by works of righteousness that we have done, the good things that we've done, but by your grace you saved us. And we thank you that you sent your son. You revealed the truth to us that he died for our sins. To He took the punishment that we deserve so we wouldn't have to face judgment and punishment for the sins, the things that we've done wrong or do wrong or will do wrong. It's a done deal. And you, prior to dying on the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. He came 
and fulfilled the mission. He accomplished what he set out to do, having been sent from the Father to die on that cross. But then he died and was buried, but then rose again from the dead and showed himself alive to many witnesses. Jesus is alive, and those who have the Son have life, eternal life. But those who do not have the Son do not have life and remain in darkness. And unless they receive you as personal Savior, they will die in their sins and go to a lost eternity to be separated from God forever and ever and ever. So we need to be wise. And those that are listening to this message, wherever you may be, has been stated that those who reject Jesus, God will reject. He's offering a, a lifeline to be saved from our sins. And Jesus is the only way we can be saved. So call upon his name the simple prayer that God will answer and ask God to save you. Ask Jesus to save you from your sins and come into your heart and your life and then live for him and you'll never regret it in this life and in the world to come. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ.